the pandemic was like the best thing that could have happened to us, okay. I believe, honestly, um, because it gave us perseverance and it 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 it, it, it allowed we, we had to as soon as we saw it coming down the pipe, we were like, okay, we have to think about how can we still operate in this world. If you believe we can change the narrative, if you believe we can change our communities, if you believe we can change the outcomes, then we can change the world. I'm Rob Richardson. Welcome to Disruption Now. Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me is Jabari Johnson, who is an innovator, and uh, he's been he's, he's the man who saw the vision for creating an, uh, a live space, interactive content that you know reached out to Black folks and and, and was something that was curated for them. And he, he had that vision in 2014, and the company has grown and he's pivoted, and we're going to talk to him about his journey. Jabari, how you doing, brother? I'm doing very well. Thank you for so much for having me on, Rob. Really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. So the name of your company is, is Colors Worldwide. And, uh, you know, you've had some success and this thing is a constant journey in entrepreneurship and the journey keeps changing. I, I'm curious, though, if you can take me back and just to, uh, to give us some idea, if you were to talk to your younger self, maybe even as an entrepreneur, it could be earlier, whenever, what advice would you give yourself and then what advice would you ignore? Um, I think I would give myself the advice uh my younger self i would definitely say like it, it to whoever can stay in it the longest you know what i mean I, like it, it may seem hard or it may seem like you want to give up at times or you want to like change things but i think that if you keep doing something consistently and you keep seeing some sort of signs of progress you're always gonna get some level of success so uh oftentimes yeah i think uh I think that that's probably what I would tell my younger self is just like, you don't know how long this journey is going to be, but uh, if you just stick with it, then success is probably around the corner. Now that corner might be years and years and years <laughs> away, <laughs> but um, nothing is, uh, nothing is really fast when you're trying to create something really great. So that's, that's what I asked the advice I would give myself. Definitely. Isn't And, and, the the view of social media and others is that it's instant. They see yes. it and, and it feels like, well, wow, man, Jabari's out there. How did he get to be like, he's just, he's making his companies millions of dollars. Like, man, like he's, he did that really quick. And, and, and it looks that way because people usually don't focus on the process. But yes. wh- why is that? Why was that advice you gave yourself? Like, can you, is there a moment that goes back in your mind? Like you just were ready to give up. You just thought and you just, because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't producing the results you wanted or you were just frustrated or what? It wasn't necessarily that I was ready to give up. I don't think I was ever really ready to give up, but I think that I was ready for certain things to happen on my time. Yeah, you know? Uh, so like, yeah, I understand. I, I, I wanted to be at a certain level when I thought I had put in the work or I wanted, you know, the audience to be here or I wanted to be doing these type of um, events or, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, I know, I, especially I, I, we have similar type of uh, uh, businesses, a little bit different, but very similar in a lot of ways. So I understand and I'm looking like, yeah, I've seen it like, man, I know I put in the work and not that you should compare yourself to others, but I'm like, all right, look, I, I put in the work. I know I have the content. Why isn't why are we seeing these astronomical numbers that exactly, are, uh, exactly. Just, there's a lot of reasons for that though, right? Like yeah, had I started on YouTube in 2010, 
the numbers probably it's different, right? The because like the real estate Absolutely. was smaller, your 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 universe could expand. So this is why I tell folks, Jabari, like you got to move, and it's something I want to talk to you offline about. But like we're moving into this third space of the internet right now, into the blockchain, specifically, really go in deep with NFTs because yep. right now that's that moment. A, I think it's a long term play, but B, right now that moment with NFTs is where the moment ten years ago was with social media, right? Yes. And, yes. Right. So like people are, there's the community is it's kind of big, but it's still small enough where if you're in that, you'll grow, you'll have the attention. Yeah. You still kind of have the opportunity to get like first mover advantage right now. Exactly. Exactly. Yep. And there are multiple first mover advantages. It doesn't have to be just one within this space, but I digress. I, yep. I, I actually agree with you a lot. Uh, but what advice would you ignore though? Can you think of advice that you got or Ooh. that you thought was right? What advice would you ignore? Oh man. Um, I would ignore that. I, I got a lot of advice to keep a steady job. You know what I mean? Like from, from some uh, managers and stuff like that. So people, when I, I worked at Capitol Records when I was living in New York, um, I, before I got into like events and the live space I was doing, and, and I still do a lot in media and content creation. So when I was working at Capitol Records, one of my, my, my main boss, um, I had the opportunity to leave the company to work on a documentary project um, in the UK. And uh, yeah, my boss there was just like, you know, you should keep this steady job that you have. You shouldn't follow artists or like, and like the artists in the management company were going right. to pay for me to go out there and like make this documentary and sort of, you know, just, just try something that I had never done before. And this was early um, on in your career, right? Yeah. Super early on in my career. Yeah, yeah. This was, uh, this was like probably 10 years ago now. That's definitely advice um, you should ignore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> to not I explore mean, I, I, early in your career. Like I yeah, think, it's, I think it's less than keeping a, uh, if I can interject, I think it's less than yeah. keeping a steady job. Cause I think that there, there is some, if you have the type of job that you can do and support and do your passion and you can do that yes. to you build and scale, absolutely keep the job. Yes, don't, don't, keep don't, it. Just, don't just jump. But to your case, what it sounds like, and let me know if I'm wrong, you have somebody that probably wanted you to stay because of your talent and didn't want yes. you to go out there and take yeah. it. They wanted to keep you. And that's not a good mentor. And ultimately it was really about growth like yep. you if you have a steady job that you see growth in and that you can and that you love and that you have a great work environment and you enjoy the people that you work around and then and and you're ultimately growing your your what you're doing and your role is affecting the company's growth and yeah. the company's growth is then in turn affecting your growth then by all means stay at that job yeah. and you know i would say even like ride that until the wheels fall off you know because like that's a very rare position to be in um i would add an or or if you don't have a job that does that but it's able to pay the bills and it gives you flexibility to do the to, things exactly. that you want to do, right? So you can yep. you can build your passion, your side hustle, and it's not so overwhelming. But if the job is both overwhelming and there's no room for growth, I don't even care yeah. how much money you make. It's, it's going to kill your soul. Yeah. And that's what was happening. Like I was, I was at this place and I was kind of, I was feeling stagnant. I was feeling like I've done what I needed to do at this label. And then on top of that, the label was I mean, it's, it's, it's a really funny story because uh, so I was working at Capitol Records, but 
Capital was owned by EMI at the time. And I kind of knew what was happening. I was always involved in like the trades and what was happening, like in the press with the company. And EMI was like a sinking ship. So like there used to be four major record labels. It was uh, Sony, Warner, um, Sony, Warner, Universal and EMI. And EMI folded, actually. And so all of the assets underneath the label. So, you know, whether it was like the, the smaller labels that they owned and the imprints all got split in a sale between Sony and Universal, I believe. So like the whole building wasn't even there like a year after I left. Like it was just completely dismantled and gone and layoffs and all kinds of stuff. So I knew it was like going that way. Yeah, Um, I mean, so I I just wanted to get out. You said that. Well, and and it wasn't about growth, but I think you make an important point when people think about their careers like, well, you know, uh, I need to stay because I don't know what's going to happen. Like, you don't know what's going to happen if you stay. Like, if you stay at a job, yeah. especially a job that, again, going back to those earlier, that you don't like, uh, that there's no room for growth. What we do know, we do know for sure it's going to happen. It's going to kill your soul. It's going to kill your passion. Uh, and that, to me, is enough. But you also, if it's a bad environment, it's, it's not, it's, I mean, they could fire you the next day. It doesn't matter how useful you are. There's this illusion that a lot of people have that if I work hard and apply myself, that's going to be the difference in my, no, no, it's not. No. Yeah. yeah, (laughs) So, so yeah, that would, that would be, that would be, you know, the advice is just like, that was, that was really bad. It's just like, don't, don't do things that are going to serve you and and help you grow. Um, Yeah. That was, yeah, that was, especially early on. I'm glad I didn't explore, explore. We got to keep pivoting, but you have more flexibility early on normally. And if you have the flexibility and you don't, have don't tie yourself down with a huge mortgage or something crazy like pivot and yes. learn man explore 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 as much as you mm-hmm. can so you've been you've you've been a successful founder you've built you've built a, a a a large business at this point what do you think is the most essential trait for a founder especially someone that's starting off you're building from the ground up to be successful um i would say vision and long-term thinking um you know i think those are kind of one and the same but yeah just like thinking about the long term uh you're going to get faced with so many different challenges and you're going to get faced with a lot of opportunities to do things that are for the short term and that will fix a problem that is going on right now um but long-term thinking, I think, for any founder is everything because that affects your entire business. That affects thinking long-term affects the people you hire, which is like some of the most important decisions that you're going to have to make. Um, who, affects, who, who, who you set money from, all that exactly, stuff. If, exactly. Yeah, because if you, right. you, can, you can accept somebody like, oh, yeah, I, think for sure, I need money right now. The terms are bad. It's somebody that doesn't have oh, your business interest. Yep. In I mean, you could think I could think of a lot of reasons. But let me challenge even even the products that you that you uh that you put out you know what i mean and the, even even the things that you do um for your business you know you might say oh well we you know this is our core product but why don't we just step over here there's like some short-term money over here we can just do this but your fans might always remember you or your customers might always remember you for like that and it might it might leave a stain on you know what the main thing is that you do so i just think long-term vision is is huge so, I mean, with that, I have a lot of questions for that. For that, let's talk about the long term versus the short term. Yeah, I, I agree. Thinking long term, having vision, 
but there is the challenge and the reality of also surviving absolutely oh, no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so how do you how do you balance that between not not sacrificing uh the 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 long term for the short but also not sacrificing the short term for the long like how do you balance that out how did you successfully balance that out cuz that i can tell you that's a tension for me my guess is it's a tension for a lot of creative vision 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 type leaders you know we yes. have this ideal of we want to be here and here and probably want to be here right now yes the budget allows us to be here <laughs> yes yes and absolutely. so how do we how do you how do you go through that tension in your mind does my question make sense yeah definitely i think that it really depends on um having long term vision doesn't mean skipping ahead to the long term right? right it just means that like you're doing stuff with the next steps in mind so you might want to you know be able to like for for, for me right i'll give an example for our live events um side of the business is like you know we we wanted to have a music festival so we wanted to you know we wanted to have an outdoor you know not not just a regular concert right we wanted to have like something that was you know multiple artists festivities for fans and uh you know all types of activities games um we we saw ourselves producing larger scale events in the long term and so we always thought that but like we didn't just say before before I started the company I didn't just say all right well I'm going to start with a festival yeah and that's how right, the company right. is going to start right we started by doing small concerts small shows we grew those we kept growing those small shows and then they would get a little larger and then it was going from hundreds of people to thousands of people thousands of people to you know multiple thousands of people and then we said okay well now i think it's time you know maybe 4 years in just maybe 3 years in it was uh, we 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 knew how to handle production with our smaller indoor concerts we knew how to book talent cuz we've done that at smaller indoor shows we knew how to um you know have all of the legal and insurance and paperwork and venue scouting and all that stuff but we had never done like a proper festival outdoors um you know something that was going to last all day um and so we 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 started small but we knew that that was like what what we wanted to get toward and so that's what i mean like the long term vision so we did what we could and then when we did the festival you know we had a lot of experience in producing smaller events and so now we were able to produce a festival in Orlando and that was the the first time you know we we kind of went down that path now we lost a ton of money on that festival and we realized we probably <laughs> don't need to be doing festivals you know in that capacity or we probably you know we spent so much more than we needed to spend on certain things like production and all that but um but yeah it was baby steps to get to you know that that level and then the the next th there's another level to that it's like okay well we want to be doing multiple of these things right so how do we figure out how to do multiple festivals you know outdoor shows larger larger capacity shows that kind of thing um and sort of tour a festival not just tour a yes. concert and, um and that leads me to another question that's related to this so how do you you're starting to have some success this happens to a lot of businesses specifically yep. black businesses but scaling becomes difficult like we're at the we're yeah. at this level where you're 
and and you just kind of spoke to it like you 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 don't want to just have a model where you're doing one festival a year you need to figure out how you're going to do multiple festivals multiple events but there's the challenge of probably capital and just probably operations like how do you how do you take yourself from going from growth to being able to scale yes um I think that you as well, I can speak for myself. For, for, so me as a founder in the specific um, space that I'm in, it was I did a lot of the things first. Right. So like um, in a live event space, I did everything. You know, we, we started throwing like very small parties when we began years ago. And those parties evolved into more proper shows. Um and but I did it like everything, like I pretty much did everything except DJ. I mean, there were times where I took the photos, took videos, um, times where I even worked the door, times where I, I mean, I hosted the shows. Um, I was doing the accounting. I mean, I was doing everything except for like, you know, running the bar type of, you know, right. that, that kind of thing. Um, how many so, years? How many? How long were you doing that? How long were you the everything man just doing everything uh probably three years oh my god yeah that's a lot probably three years yeah for sure and then and then i started to you know hire one person here right, i need somebody to work the door i can't be on stage and running back and forth to the door so it's like i hired a door person then i hired a photographer and then I, and it's like slowly but surely you start hiring like these roles and you start training people on how you would like them to be done. Yep. But then you kind of have to just let them fly and you know what I mean? And let them yep. do what they do. And there's going to be mistakes that are made. People are not going to do it exactly how you want it done. But I think that scaling is about um, replicating yourself and replicating and, and just finding great talent that can do what needs to be done. Um and eventually, you know, can start to show you what needs to be done because yep. you can't be everywhere at once. So that's, I think, like hiring and, um, you know, not 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 being so hands on and every single thing. Now, at the same time, it's like this is my company. I'm very uh, attached to, you know, many your of name the, on the building at the end of the day. When it yeah, goes down, right. It'll be Jabari. They're gonna call, it's not going to say like your graphic assistant did X, Y, Z. They'll say. Jabari. No, yeah. Yeah. So I'm very aware of what is going on. Um, but I, I try to give people the autonomy that they need to get the work done. That they Yeah, because otherwise they, they won't. They'll, they'll just do enough to figure out how to not piss you off, but they'll never do anything innovative. They'll never help. Yeah. Because they'll feel constrained by you. So it's like, uh, I think you said it well when you talked about the most important uh, trait for a founder is the vision. If the yeah. vision is properly communicated and properly reinforced within the operations, people will uh, will follow through with that vision. And the I, ideally, I, what, I, what I hope to do, and, I, and I'm sure you do as well, is that my vision inspires and attracts people that are dedicated to doing what the mission of the organization is so yes yes yep and our mission right now you know we've kind of recently changed our mission but our mission is genre amplification we like to identify ourselves as a genre amplification company so we're we're colors worldwide is trying to take underserved genres and build ecosystems and communities 
and you know frameworks and and business opportunities around right. these underserved genres and our first genre that we've been working on for the past few years is r&b music um because we feel like it's an underserved genre and one way you that, think it's underserved i want to hear you i want to talk more about that like what's your thought about when you define underserved what that means in terms of the genre? yeah yeah so underserved is when you look at uh r&b music as a whole um R&B music is like the root of a lot of it is. pop music, right? It's the root of hip hop um, too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And so um but the the same opportunities don't lie and you don't see you don't see like the just let's just take one example um in the merchandise space, right? There have been there have been billion dollar clothing lines that have evolved out of a hip hop you know, out of the out of the Absolutely. genre of hip hop, right? Yeah. You have examples like Fubu. Um, yeah, you know, Fubu, uh, Rockaware, Sean John, you know, collectively these companies are worth billions of dollars and have have, you know, uh moved billions of dollars. And then, you know, more recently you see stuff like Yeezy, um yep. and and you know, brands of that nature. And so, you know, but the same you haven't really heard of that come from like uh R&B space, you know what I mean, or R&B yeah. artist um, to go and 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 do that with merchandise. So that's like one example. But m- other examples are like uh, from a media perspective, you know, there's just not like the definitive go-to place for, especially when you talk about contemporary R&B music. Um, you know, there's just not not a not a home or a hub for uh, content podcasts. Um, you know, even, even a lot of times where to find new music, a lot of times these things are just, uh, kind of, kind of lumped in into like a streaming service and they're just like a playlist. They just just throw them on, uh, you know, um, Spotify or something and hope they get discovered without any real curation. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, some, I mean, some of the, some of the streaming services do do a good job at curating and and making playlists, but it seems like that's where it stops. It's like. There's no, you know, R&B stories being told from, you know, a, a historical context of like, you know, this is, I mean, there are so many stories that I could, that I could, you know. Yeah, what story, what story, what, what, what story, but first of all, before you go, like, I want to know what story sticks out. And then I remind me to connect you with um, an artist I know well, Alexander Starr. So I think, okay. I think you two could at least, I think there could be some exploration there he's an independent artist very very, very talented brother um, yeah that, yeah no that, absolutely that, that, that i think you guys should just connect on but go ahead so i mean one i mean one of the stories that i want to explore is um you know in like a podcast form is is the story of like why Aliyah's music is not on streaming services and there's a lot of there's a lot of like you know what? I've been trying to find that. her music. That's a wait. Why isn't it though? Do you, do you know, do you, did you um, give us the brief story of that? Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The brief notes, story I, I is um, the brief story. Because I'm trying to find it. I'm like, I was wondering about this. Like, yeah, yeah so. it's not. Um, her uncle slash manager um, uh, is 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 the rights holder to a lot of her discography. Um, and there's a lot of issues with him um, and the uh, and the estate with the rights to the music. And there's 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 various articles and stuff that sort of talk more about yeah. this and and give a lot of detail. But essentially, um, 
there's one guy that's kind of in control of I it. I can't see the benefit of not streaming music, though. What's the, what? Yeah, I don't know. That, I, don't think <laughs> I mean, I'm just asking. I, don't think- I think that this guy is just um, a unique, unique figure. And um, but there's a, there's 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 so much meat there's and there's there. so much of a story there, and there's something that needs to be explored. And I think that like our platform is the is the is the perfect. Um, so you have you your, know, your, your so you're creating a so I, I didn't know this so you're creating a like a podcast streaming platform to, to well well this? no just just not even just our brand your in brand general, okay yeah will be a brand that um, promotes highlights um, and tells various stories well, we need to, that we are need happening to, within the R and B community I, I think that, I think from past pretty, to present. Well, we definitely um, need to wrap. There's a there's a as I told you, and we'll talk a little more offline. But we're we're literally building a NFT platform as we speak, and mm. you know, and then uh, and it's and it's curated towards uh, diverse black and brown artists, including including music, right? And nice. And so, and we want to we want to work with people like yourself, curators, to highlight, create limited NFTs, drops, and things like that. Uh, where the I mean, the majority goes to. Uh, either the collectors or the artists like so our, our yep. model will be like you know 75 85 goes to you guys 50 percent will, will go back to the um to the platform um, but our goal is to you know we black and brown artists create a lot of equity but as you said a lot of equity doesn't flow through us for some of those reasons maybe it's it's often institutional and then there's things yep. that are passed down because there might be reasons why he has this belief uh Aaliyah's uncle whoever this is and it's because of False information. I'm just guessing, right? Just from, but yeah, but just these false narratives that have been passed on, and not having an understanding of how to really build a brand and scale it. Because Aaliyah is a is a, it can be a billion dollar brand, easy, no doubt about it. Yeah, easy, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. There's there, and so that's just like one example. Um, but we have some things coming up in the pipeline. You All know, right, we well, what's a, exciting? We, we, yeah, we have a we have a show. Um, we have a, a very unique uh, digital show that's coming out soon. And uh, the name of the show is called Sex Playlist. Um, okay. And <laughs> that's really what it is. It's Sex basically playlist, like, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 is it's it uh, like it sounds. <laughs> it's, it's just exactly like it sounds. Um, celebrities come on and 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 talk about the music that's on their sex playlist. Um, okay, but it's 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 it's. I think people would find that interesting, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's very it's very unique. It's going to be a very funny show. Um, and we're in sort of pre-production on that right that's now. That's awesome. So that's I can't say too much more. But all right, it, it's, all right. So it's going to be that, a show that that helps to amplify, um, you know, R and B music in a way that is is sort of unconventional. Okay, so when that, when you when you're about to premiere that, come back on. We'll we'll definitely promote it and talk about it. That sounds yeah, for sure. For that sounds sure. pretty awesome. So that's hmm, it's very interesting. So let me um let me go to a, a another question here to change yep. a little bit. So uh, when you start to scale, you 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 raise you raise some money, and you were de- you were debating doing venture capital, um, and you had a chance. If I remember this correctly, um, someone offered you a million dollars. Which you could probably have used at that time, yeah, um, for sure. But um, you turned it down. Talk to people yes. about the thought process because that's to, to some people that's a well, it's all a million dollars, a lot of money. I'm not gonna say it's not to everybody, but especially when you're yep. in need, when your business needs it. But you had the both courage and foresight to turn it down. How did you do that, and why did you do it? Yeah, so um, we we didn't we haven't raised at that point. That was about two years ago. We didn't raise any capital 
um we were just bootstrapping everything right yeah. so just you know reinvesting back into the business um but in a live event space cash flow is a big issue because you you mm. you're planning your calendar and you're like planning you know 6 months to a year down the road securing venues and putting deposits down everybody wants their money this they don't care kind of thing <laughs> yeah yeah and so a lot of times you have to wait until you know you're not you're not seeing all of the recruitment of a show until after the show is over so it's a cash flow intense business unless you really do it the right way um and so for us um we were growing and scaling but you know with growth you need like now we're in bigger venues now we need bigger production now we need yep. you know to make this show as 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 big as we can make it um you know to 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 please and 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 get our fans to tell other people to come to the show so it's all this sort of cyclical thing that is very capital intensive uh and so at the time we were reached out to by a a, a music company in another genre um okay. that's really sort of they they they've done a lot of stuff in like the EDM world and sure. um for for us it was a great uh fit in terms of a partnership because i would go to a lot of electronic shows and get inspiration for our show because our show is a very unconventional show it's dj yeah. and host based um it's not artist driven when we that's have so interesting come, i want you to go into that but that's so interesting that when people talk about creativity you went into you know you're in R&B but you got some ideas from, yes. from 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 the EDM crowd like that's that's fascinating because you can draw ideas and inspirations from that from anywhere i mean i oh I, yeah i hear you absolutely absolutely and so for yeah for me i didn't see anything like this happening in you know um in just like the 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 black music space i didn't see anything happening like this and i was like oh wow this we can go and like you know borrow some stuff from this EDM culture bring it over to us and just put our own little spin and twist on it and so that's what we did and 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 because they were doing a lot of stuff with huge uh electronic artists and doing huge festivals doing huge shows and you know it seemed like that company was a was a fit to be behind our company sure. from a financial perspective Sounds but, that way but you still turned it down this is fair yeah so i i i i ended up not going with it for um, uh and it, and it took about 5 months of negotiation um that was like a full-time job in itself just like going back and forth over terms but as the 5 months kept progressing and as the negotiation kept going uh a lot of things were changed a lot of things that were were not they weren't coming up in the first 2 months they were like changing in the next you know 3 yeah. months and it was stuff that really centered around control of the business and um always comes down to control and finances <laughs> yeah at the end of the day you know they wanted and, more control and, than you were comfortable with essentially yeah and 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 a lot of it was just like board control and what had to get unanimous consent to be able to be done um and you know that, that was really what the last straw came down to for me it was just like i couldn't uh i had i had i had already built the company Yeah. um to a certain point i was like 4 years in this wasn't something that was like you know in its infancy where i would have been able i would have been much more willing to give up control but they knew um, that though right they knew that and thought yeah. you would like cuz this is what they realized and i'm so glad you did and i'm sorry to interrupt you but yeah you realized the value of what you created and the vision 
of where it could go. So that, that's, yes. that's the example of not thinking short term, because I'm sure the easier thing to do was to take that money because you were probably stressed at that point. I mean, I'm just guessing. Yeah, definitely. Right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Right? It was a time where we needed it for sure. But the the I the thing is, is that like on the initial meeting, it was like, hey, we're not going to we're not trying to control your company. We're not trying to <laughs> we're, we're just trying to let you do. And I was like, oh, OK, cool. Oh. And I was just like, those were just words that a lot of times the, like, the, but the paper was like say. i'm trying to control yeah, your but, company. <laughs> yeah and i was like well you guys have said this but then like yo what 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 is this like every time a you know a decision over like fifty thousand dollars is made i have to get board approval and it's like eh, i can't yeah i just can't do it so um so yeah so i ended up turning it down um ended up writing about it because i felt like there were a lot of other founders that needed this sort There's of no that question. Story. founders go through this um, all the time i had uh and i know i don't want to i don't want to pivot to this uh and i know we had uh i had max tuckman on the show who oh yeah yeah yeah. Caribou, she, right? yeah 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 she has a similar From caribou yes correct and i think she yeah. had a similar it was it was similar in, in the term in terms of needing the money but not being a fit for her it was a it was a it was they, they were, it was predatory they were trying to Take, they were the same thing. I'm trying to take over the company yeah. another way. Like this, they looked like they were being generous. They believed in your vision. Said, said they didn't want to take over your company. And they did. With her, it was the terms were so ridiculous that they wouldn't have been able to meet them. But talk through what you went through next. Yeah. So then after that, um, you know, we just, again, bootstrapped, did our own thing. Um, we, we took some loans and, you know, did some financing like that. Um, and then we we said, you know, well, well, really what happens after, shortly after eh, about a year and a half after. And no, one year after, actually, it to, to, to the month, right? One year after we don't take that money, then the pandemic hits. <laughs> what timing? <laughs> so, what timing? Yeah. Live, so, uh, live events so that was, in the middle of a pandemic. So, yeah. What did you crazy. have to do to pivot from, from that experience? Uh, which, so, which obviously, so the, live events is a tough business to be in. When yes. nobody's at live events. <laughs> so, yes. Yeah. So, so, so I say this though, I mean, and I'll, I'll, I'll get to why, but the pandemic was like the best thing that could have happened to us. Okay. I believe honestly, um, because it gave us perseverance and it, 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 it allowed, we, we had to, as soon as we saw it coming down the pipe, we were like, okay, we have to think about how can we still operate in this world? So it was always our goal to expand our business outside of live events. We were just going to like, we just were like, let's do live events first. Right. COVID just accelerated your process because it forced Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Let's 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 use the capital from live events to expand into Smart. media, into Smart. putting out some music, just, into some other Some people things. just stood there and was like, what are we going to do? Yeah. What are we going to do? 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 We always knew we weren't going to expand. But, the, but here's the, the, the thing. When we were going, when we were planning to use the capital to expand into other things, we were making no capital because of live the live events were shut down. So we, sure. what we did was we did um, alternative things like we started producing drive-in shows. So we did, um, you know, we would find plots of land last year that were not being in use, or you know, a park or a golf course or um, something like that, and we would, you know. We 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 got the the uh the use and the permits to use the venues and you know did everything the correct way with um with the 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 local um government and stuff like that and we produced drive-in shows 
Um, and you know, that was huge for us. That was that. I mean, it was in a time of going to nothing, yeah. we were making something. Um, exactly. and then and, and that's going to started... be the foreseeable future. Look, I think, I hope packed live events come in, but I still think there's going to be a crowd is going to want to, for at least for a while, the next normal is there's going to be virtual still, and there's going to be socially well, distanced events. <laughs> yeah. I'll get, I'll get into that in a little. So, so, um, so we then um, started doing a lot of virtual stuff. So virtual live streams, DJ based live streams that, you know, we, we charged uh, admission for, and, you know, we got a great deal of our fans to get involved in that. We started but you, doing but you, but you had, live streams. Uh, you had a pre-existing fans that were already. Yeah, there. we had a, we already had a fan base. One, two. And you also, you went to this point and I want to make sure it's clear for the audience. I had, uh, I had Ryan on from the gathering spot who talked about this too. Your mission is not live events. Yeah. Your mission is genre amplification. It's, yeah, amplifying R&B music. Yeah. So you don't have to be only live events to do that. If you have a centered of you. So your your mission hasn't changed. It's just the how and the application. How. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah. So we started doing that. And then, you know, in the time when we started doing um, the drive-in shows, I was like, you know what? We want to expand. Why not? Instead of waiting for live events to come back and when those are going to come back fully to like expand into other things and whatever, why don't we just, you know, I had heard about equity crowdfunding and the ability to, um, you know, make your fans and your, you know, uh, your current customers and friends and family um, actual investors in your company and co-owners in the company. And I started seeing a few people doing it. And I started looking into these platforms and I said, you know, this might be a way where we can accelerate our expansion and not have to wait on when live events come yep. back. When yep. live events come back, we'll be fine and we'll be, you know, you'll, we're, be, we're, we're, you'll be better positioned. We'll like be that. better positioned. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's about surviving um, between now and getting past this. Yeah. Yeah. And so for us, it was like, you know, I think that if we allowed our audience to see what our growth plans were instead of keeping it just locked in and you know this is what we're doing and this is where the company is going internally why don't we like let our audience in a little bit more and you know see because you only need a, a few of them to be able to you know get involved and invest and you know yep. get involved in the growth and so that's what we did we put our heads down we worked on this campaign for about five months and then um How a much few months raise? ago Right now we are, I want to say just under 200,000. That's great. That's um, and, and, and it's still going, you know, so we're encouraging people to go to startengine.com slash RMB only. Check I'll make out sure the to put raise that in there. there. Do me a favor. Make sure your people send me that link. And when yeah, the podcast absolutely. goes up, I will make sure we'll that do. We'll will do. Be, uh, promote it. I'll make sure the people that, uh, that thank you so much. No, look, I think this um, is, I think equity crowdfunding to your point, And I want I want you to talk people through that that process yeah. is a, is a great opportunity for us to disrupt the status quo. And it, it, it's, it's, we can, we can fund our own businesses. Like we, yeah. We, yeah. We understand the kind like, and I've ran for office. I'm not sure if you look me, I ran for office before. Yes. And when I ran for treasurer, you know, I ran for treasurer, I raised two and a half million dollars. And I started thinking about like, all right, this is a position that was that is important, but no one really cared about it. But if you can do that for running for office, we got what Barack Obama raised a billion dollars. Think yeah. about it if we raised a billion dollars towards businesses. All those aren't going to make it, but some of them will and yeah. probably turn into billion dollar businesses. And so imagine if we had that mindset as a community to invest in each other, to help each other build. And now we have 
the means to do that. We just have to get our mindset there. Absolutely, Rob. And I mean, you know, something that that a lot of us I don't think really are aware of, but I think it's it's less than three percent of all venture capital in like in 2020 was oh, yeah. distributed to black and brown founders. And guess what? So that was a that was a big increase, bro. It was yeah. it was it was one percent. So like I'm just so yes, you're right. That's crazy. And it's and crazy. so it's like you know they're like wow we had two percent they were like we've doubled our where we at like you were at nothing before like okay yeah (laughs) so it's like thinking about thinking about that if if we're not getting venture capital we have to think about alternative ways of financing our businesses and our ideas and you know and so i was just like you know hey let me i hadn't i hadn't had much friends or or other entrepreneurs that have sort of done it to sort of like show me the way. I do want a big shout out to Max though, because um Max, she was doing a bunch of clubhouses on this yep. stuff. And I was involved in so many of those clubhouses, um, emailing her back and forth and stuff well, like Max that. So she was a, a huge resource um, for us during that time. And yeah, and so, you know, we were able to do that and, and we've already been able to deploy some of that capital on that's a lot awesome. of these new initiatives that we're doing, you know, like I said, you know, Sex Playlist is our first uh, show that's about to come out and awesome. we're in pre-production of that right now. Um, so, yeah, there's just so much stuff that um, we're we're about to do. And, you know, equity crowdfunding is just one of the uh, of the financing vehicles and mechanisms that we've been able to take advantage of. What, what else? What are some other advantages that you that you've seen in this uh, that you've been able to take advantage of and see? So, so I think that like that, that was a big one in terms of, um, in terms of the, uh, the pandemic. Right. But the other thing that why, why I say the pandemic was the best thing that happened to us was the time off. Right. So the time, that time that people were not going to live events has made the demand for live events. This is so true. high. Yeah. Like I, I can't wait to go back. So like, what we do, right? And now that I know that you do we, events, I, I I can't wait to see some of yours. Oh man, I can't wait for you to come. So what 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 we do, you know, at the at the crux of our business and what how our business started is we create memories. You know, we create lasting memories. There's there's when you come to an R and B only live show, you know, you remember what you were wearing, you remember who you came with, you remember the way the music made you feel, and you remember the time of the year it was. You know, you have all these memories, and then now with 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 the phones and everything, like when people have stories and when they when they have um you know when they when they share on their social media when they when they've come a lot of times a year later that memory automatically pops back up and you're like oh man i remember when you know when when i was at that r&b only live show and when you don't have that you yearn for that and so that for us we've 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 done a few live events during the pandemic um, socially distant shows, like I said, drive-in shows, and then digital events. But now, as the pandemic is starting to wane, we uh, we just announced the Texas tour, so it'll be a, a 75% capacity, and and we have three shows coming up in Texas in May, uh, San Antonio, uh, Dallas, and Houston, and those shows are selling like crazy right now. Like they're sure. just. You know, people people really want to be back, and and as vaccin- vaccinations continue to go up and increase, um, and the case rates you know start to go down, we're gonna start to see. I think you know throughout the end of the year, 
a lot more, you know, 50% capacity, 75% capacity, these type of limited capacity shows. And people are rushing to get tickets for them um, because they want that feeling back. You know, the the thing that we've learned with this pandemic is that there are alternatives to live events, right? There are, um, you know, digital events, live streams, um, even stuff, you know, Zoom calls, stuff like this. But there is no replacement. There's no replacement for live events. No, no, no. We cannot replace. There's no replacing for in person. People still want that. Great. Yeah. Need that. Yeah. But I do think there will be. This will now be a component of everything we do. Absolutely. Absolutely. I I tell this to people like just like you said, like COVID was more of an accelerator than a disruptor. Like parents are getting on Zoom. Like grandparents. People. Everyone knows how to do digital now. Everyone was forced to get into the digital world in a way that they had to, if they wanted to do anything. And so Absolutely. now that's not going to leave us. So I, I do think there are now, and you've seen this acceler- this um, innovation in this space in ways that you didn't see before. So I do think now when you have, even when you have these live events, you, you, you're going to figure out ways, I believe to also, do we have any digital component that we could add onto it to help us make some revenue or yep. to engage audiences that can't, uh, participate with us in person. That's what I think the next normal is. And there's going to be more and more concentration in the digital world, but it's never going to replace it. It just is now going to be another component uh, that's always going to be there and people will now use. That's At least that's how I see it. Yeah, I agree. I totally agree with you, man. Yep. Yep. All right. I uh, got a couple of uh, lightning round questions that we always ask people. So what's an important truth or conviction you have that uh, people might find controversial or, or very few agree with you on? Ooh, um, that very few people agree with me on. Yeah, it's a tough question on purpose. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I I don't I don't know if it's that if that very few people agree with me on, but um I think that it would it would probably be just like well, maybe. I think, okay. I think a lot of people um, always say to follow your passion. Yeah. And I think that, like, you should follow the opportunity. And opportunity, like, and I, I heard some, I think I heard a, a, a Professor Scott Galloway say this, but um, um, I think that you can find your passion as long as there's an opportunity or, or, or passion comes from like some sort of progress and succeeding. Right. Yeah. So I, yep. I think that like, you know, you can like, for instance, I was never really passionate about R and B music. I'm like a hip hop guy through and through, you know, and sure. that's the music that I grew up listening to. I grew up listening to R and B of course, but, but, but once I saw the opportunity that lied and how, underserved the genre was and how there wasn't really like many different ecosystems built around it sure um i became extremely passionate about it and over the last five years you know i've been i'm like that's all that's all i do is like i'm just very involved in r&b culture because i saw the opportunity there and so like you know my passion which is like hip-hop music or you know, I'm very passionate about like riding my bike on the beach or, yeah. <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. It was like, I, I'm, I'm not. But, but you are passionate about music and you're passionate about getting people exposed to music. And my yes. guess is you're, you're passionate about connecting people 
And so all of those things played into this. So I hear you because I have a similar story. Like uh-huh. I, I, I thought my path was I was going to be governor right now or, you know, something like that. Yeah. Um, and that, that had been my direction for a long time. You know, I was uh, the youngest chairman of the University of Cincinnati. I did a lot of stuff in terms of building, getting ready for public service. And, uh-huh. you know, it didn't go like I thought it would, despite a lot of things that I, I despite doing everything that I could within my power for it to go. Yeah. Uh, well, that being said, so I had to, I, I, that's how I got into podcasting. I wanted to figure out, okay, well, I need to use my voice in some way. So I feel like I'm having impact. And then that grew into doing media stuff. And that grew into doing things for entrepreneurs. And now it grew into art, uh, artists and connecting artists, which I never, never in a million years yeah. thought I would be never, but it does still connect. But you saw the opportunity. I saw the opportunity. There are three, there are three things I look at it like this. There's passion is one area. Like you do have to really have some motive, uh, moving desire for what you're doing, because when the when things get going and it gets tough, if you don't have that, it's harder to keep going. But then there's yep. two other things too. You know, then where are your talents aligned to? Like, <laughs> I can feel passionate about wanting to be the next Michael Jordan. I, I can't jump that high. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, so I loved basketball. I was okay at basketball. I was passionate about it. But my skill set didn't align there. And then the third thing yep. goes to where you just said, like, I look at this, the it's your passion. It's, uh, you know, what are you uniquely skilled at? And, and then third, where can you have the most impact? And that's that goes to opportunity to me. Yeah. Right. So that, that's looking at those three spaces. And it's not I think go where you're passionate about is too is just too simplistic of advice because that to some people they think that you got to like everything you're doing at every moment that's not what we mean <laughs> yeah no no because yeah, definitely so, you won't you, you no, you, you won't it's not happening yeah no it's you can the opposite be, even even if you're doing even if you if you're walking and breathing in your passion i know so many musicians that you know they hate being on the road touring they'd rather just be in the studio all day yeah i mean look at I don't know. Did, did does LeBron James like working out probably four hours before the game? Or did Kobe Bryant like? I think they learned to embrace the process because they had a passion for the long term what they were doing. But yep. it doesn't mean that you're going to like or love a whole lot of the process. It means it's kind of that long term thinking. It's like I know what where the direction of this is going, and I and I stay focused on that long term versus the short term of the pain. All right, absolutely. Uh, you have a committee. Uh, living or dead to advise you on life or business who are these three people and why oh first one would be john paul getty okay um he's you know for those that don't know oil tycoon um somebody who uh at one point he was like the richest guy on earth and yeah, just just as just an extremely practical guy. Um, just really, I, I I've I've read a lot of a lot of stuff on him. Read his book, and I just really am fascinated with like when you read something that's like really old, um, but the information still applies, right? So like, yeah. I think I think when he wrote his book, might have been like close to eighty. 80 or 100 years ago, something like that, maybe, maybe even 60 years ago, but like all of the information kind of still holds up. Um, and just like how to operate in business, um, how to, you know, just, he was, he was just talking, he, he kind of built his fortune by like mergers and acquisitions and, yeah. and, and um, not being afraid to like get his hands dirty, right? So this guy would be worth millions of dollars 
tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions, but like still like in the oil fields with his employees. You know what I mean? Like really like getting in the mud, literally. Um, that's why and, that's why he probably why he was successful because he understood every aspect of his business and his people. Yes, yes, yes. And, um, you know, it was just really just a just a really good manager um, of people and, you know, really treated 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 his employees fairly and treated them right. Um, and the age had a lot of issues 80 or 100 years ago in an age that people did not. That was not the standard. Like, yes, I exactly. in was to figure out how much you can extract out of your people. And that's it. Yeah. And um, and had a lot of issues with his family, though, it was not the best family, man, because it's hard to balance. But um, so, yeah, but I but I like his business principles a lot. So I would say him. Um, uh, I would say Jay-Z for sure on a yeah, contemporary side, um, just because I just love how he's able to blend art and business so seamlessly. He's done it better um, than anybody else. I mean, especially yeah, yeah. really not really having any role model or infrastructure in business. That's to do what he yeah. did in a time where right now we at least have other people like we can reach out. Our net, the networking wasn't the wasn't at the level that you can do now. Like we can we just met each other, but we can develop a relationship. You yep. couldn't do that. He had to call everybody, which is which yeah. capacity, right? So that's yep. amazing what he did without with very little guidance. All of it was just and, intelligence. And while you know, like people are thinking you know that that you're lesser or that you're not you shouldn't be in a business meeting or shouldn't be in this sort of room talking about business when they see you as a rapper right yep. so like um you know let alone a black man right i mean i think i just think that um getting over the stigma of a rapper and being taken seriously in the business world um is is something that you know he's been able to do and he's been able to do it without um He's kind of been able to do it unapologetically on his terms. And he's I mean? changed the expectations and narratives of so many people that without Jay-Z, does Kanye do what he does? Probably not, right? These yeah. other guys see like there's the model, sort of like what LeBron James is doing for sports too. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. So, um, and then I think lastly, um, just my mom probably. <laughs> well, yeah, my mom. Got a clue mom has, in there. Yeah, she's been... Um, huge in advising a lot of just my life up to this point so i wouldn't want to you know remove that from the, from no, the no. situation if it ain't broke do don't that. fix it yeah <laughs> uh final question you got a billboard google ad that's the slogan for your life or it can be business whatever you want what does that say why um okay uh i'll i'll flip this uh, a little bit. I would, I would, I would put two billboards, right? Okay. And I would specifically put one at the beginning of a windy road. Okay. And at the end of that windy road, I would, and I would, I would put on the first billboard. I would say, uh, "This is a windy road." <laughs> and then you'd go up, and you go the windy road, and you go and finish the windy road. And it might be like five miles later. And at the end, I'll put on the end of the windy road, I will put another billboard that said, that's life. <laughs> and yep. somebody said that to me at a gas station one time, like literally after a windy road. And um, I was like, man, this road is extremely windy. 
And he just, the guy working at the gas station, just, he just looked at me and said, that's life. And it just stuck with me. It was one of the most profound things somebody's ever said to me that was just a stranger. And it just has always stuck with me. It happened last year. And that's what I think about all the time when I'm going through some challenges or when I'm going through something that I don't know when is going to end. Um, or, you know, I can't exactly see the future clearly or, you know, whatever. I just, I just embrace it. And I'm like, that's life. You can't, you have, you will get out of the road eventually. Eventually. You know I mean? But, um, and then it'll get windy but, again, but you'll get out. Yeah. You know, you're going to, you're going to come with, but that's life. You know, like you can't escape the windy road sometimes. And it's okay. It's okay if you're in the middle of a windy road. Like, you know, sometimes you're like, wow, how am I going to get out of here? I'm going to make it out, but you make it out. And so, yeah, that, that's what I'll put on my billboard. Jabari, brother, it was good having you on, man. This is, uh, you know, this, this is great, man. Let, let's definitely stay in touch. Appreciate you. Absolutely, Rob. Thank you so much for having me, man. This was amazing. You.